I'm so glad you're here. If you're, um, you haven't been here in a while, I saw a couple new faces, and I'm glad you're here. There's a couple of you I saw that are brand new tonight, and you've never been here before, and so somebody drug you here or bribed you here or said, I'll get you a candy bar when we get there, or who knows, I don't know, but I'm really glad you're here. And especially, uh, hey, if you're like not a Christian or you're not a church person or you're unsure about this church thing, um, I'm still really glad you're here, and that's a great thing. Hey, before we jump in tonight, um, I want to tell you real quick what's, what's coming up the next two weeks. Um, in the next two weeks, just something different, um, starting something new, and wanted you to know about that. Next Wednesday night, um, Miguel Shaw's going to be here, and you're like, well, who in the world is Miguel Shaw? Miguel Shaw is our, a missionary that we support as a church. Brookside supports him and Kristen, his wife, and their kids. They're missionaries to the DR. Miguel is who we're going to be staying with, working with this summer in June for, um, for like a week. But they're back here for like five or six months right now. His wife, Kristen, is a nurse, and so she's going to nursing school to get certified to do stuff down in the DR. So they're here, and so next week, Miguel's going to be here. Here's the thing. Miguel is a missionary in the Dominican Republic, but he grew up attending Gretna High School. And uh, he grew up coming to Brookside Church and coming to Oasis and uh, was a crazy wild kid. In fact, was kind of that student in youth group that was like the bad kid that almost would always get sent home and do crazy stuff. And now he is so passionate for the Lord, um, loves God, loves Jesus, wants everyone to know that, and loves the DR. So we'll kind of interview him next week, and you'll hear his story. It's going to be awesome. Please don't miss it. And then the week after that, I don't want you to miss this either. February 5th, we're going to start a brand new series on dating called Dating by Numbers. And that, that like, topic or that um, title doesn't maybe make sense to you, so we'll explain it when that comes. Here's the thing. Some of you, whether you've ever dated somebody or not, and maybe you're like, I'm not going to date for four more years. I'm not going to date until I'm, I don't know, in college, out of college. Whether you've dated or not, and some of you have been in dating relationships and gotten burned, and it ended badly, but many of you maybe have it either way. Listen to me. You will probably, most likely, every one of you in here at some point will date somebody. And it's an incredibly important and relevant topic, and I know it is for you. So whether you think you're, uh, you're into it or not, please, please, please don't miss it starting February 5th, the whole month of February. Three weeks on it, and then the last week will be kind of a grab bag Q&A, anything goes. Um, we'll have a panel. We may not even split up because we don't have the space to do that, I don't think, this year because of D6. And so we might do like guys and girls together, see how that happens. Any questions you want to ask and get sort of a Christian perspective. Cool. All right. So tonight we are wrapping up this series called Branded that we've been in for the last three weeks. And uh, we've been talking about what Christians are known for and what they should and could be known for. And um, we kind of said, I'm walking out of the light here, that everything has a brand. Everything has a brand. And this is more, you think of this as a logo. But as we said the first week, this isn't just Facebook's logo. It's kind of their brand that I said, when you use this font of an F and you use these colors of blue, you just think Facebook. They've branded it that way. Or you think eBay. I mean, when I think YouTube, I mean, I remember getting the internet when I was in middle school. It was like in fifth or sixth grade. It was 93, 94, I think. Most of you probably weren't even born yet. And uh, maybe you were, I don't know. YouTube was like the greatest thing ever. Like, well, there's this wild, like all this, you can search for any video you want and they're funny and it's awesome. And YouTube is still very, very popular. But you see any of these images, Pinterest, ladies is like off the charts. Everyone loves it. Twitter's getting crazy and it's absolutely worthless. And I don't even know why people do it, but it's, people love it. I have a Twitter. I never use it. Oasis has a Twitter. We rarely use it. I, I should, I know. 
But everything has a brand, and even people have brands. We get branded, and certainly Christianity has a brand. And so that's what we're talking about in this series, that what is the brand of Christianity? What should we be known for? And in order to get some insight, we've been walking through and unpacking this letter that Paul wrote in the Bible back in the first century called Philippians. We've been looking at chapter 2. Real quick, if you missed the last few weeks, remember this, the first week we kind of introduced this topic, but we basically said that really Christianity and the church really seems fractured. Do you remember this? We talked about how there seems to be a lot of differences in beliefs and practices. Certainly I said, man, this is so, a lot of you, maybe you have a Catholic background. Both of your parents right now are Catholic. You grew up Catholic. You were confirmed in the Catholic church. One or your other parent, maybe I know one of you in here at least, mom's Catholic, dad isn't. Brookside isn't a Catholic church. You probably know that by the way we're doing this right now. We're like Protestant church. But then there's, there's Methodists and Baptists and Southern Baptists and Church of Christ and Church of God and all these other things. And what's the deal? Well, there, there was always, probably there was something I think that, that div, like we disagree over how, mode of baptism or all these other things. So we said, man, wouldn't it be great if we could be unified around one purpose? Like, man, wouldn't that really help the brand of Christianity? If we could get unified, that would be awesome. And then last week, if you remember, we decided that in order to reach that goal and this purpose and make this happen, we really need to stop being so judgmental. And Ben talked about how, man, just for a lot of, for a lot of people, when they think Christians, they think judgmental, hypocritical. Um, maybe a lot of times we think hate homosexuals today. It's like, I read that at the end of the first week, that the primary, or 91% of young, um, young people who don't know Christians primarily think, Christians like hate gays. That, that's, that's our brand for a lot of people. That's what we, they think we're about. But man, we, we said, Ben said, we need to quit rejecting those who aren't like us or who don't like us. He said we need to listen more. And man, if we're ever going to be like Jesus, Jesus of all people always accepted the outcasts. And he listened, it seems like, more than he spoke, and he asked lots of questions. So we said unique. Man, what if our brand was, we, uh, no, that's tonight. What if our brand was we're unified. And then last week, what if our brand is that we're unselfish? And so tonight we're going to talk about what if, our, what, if, what if we could be unique? That's the third and final characteristic we're going to look at. So let me ask you this question along those lines. Do you know anyone, do you know anyone that models what you think a Christian should look like? And I realize some of you, again, some of you in here aren't Christians. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Your family is not Christians. But is there anyone you know that lives such a such a good life. Their attitude is absolutely great. They're just really good people, but they're probably even a Christian. Anyone that models for you what a Christian should be like, that absolutely stands out. Someone who makes you want to be more like Jesus just by the way they live. I mean, I could think of a handful of these people. Here's though, uh, one of my really good friends, and uh, maybe this is unfair because he is a pastor and he works here at the church and he's even my boss, but he's not in this room tonight, so I'm not sucking up. But there's this friend of mine named Jeff Dart, and a lot of you know Jeff Dart. Jeff Dart models, in my life, models Christianity so well, so well. I feel like he's a man of integrity. He's absolutely humble. He's one of the most humble guys I know. He always listens more than he talks. In fact, he'll ask me a question, and then I'll answer it, and then he just won't say anything. Like, he's just waiting for more, and so I'll just start talking again, and I'll, like, just dump more, like, all right. We had a fight last night. or so. I mean, I don't know, and that's not true. But, I mean, if he just asks a question about our family, and then just start spilling stuff, because he just listens really well. He's always positive. He works really hard, but he loves to laugh. He has tons of skills and talents, but he uses his skills and, and talents and abilities to benefit others. 
You know, just last Wednesday, um, Jack Archer, you know Jack, Jack leads tribe or middle school ministry, and Jack's wife was out of town, and so Jack decided to totally redo their cupboards in their kitchen, which they wanted to do for a long time, and so he pulled them all down and sanded them and was going to paint them, and um, they kind of like screwed up somehow. Um, they set the, the cupboards down, I think, on newspaper, and then they dried, and so newspaper was just stuck all over, so Jack was like, I got to get this done before Chelsea gets home. So Jeff, last Wednesday, in the middle of his day, knew that Jack was working on these over the lunch hour. Just, goes, just shows up at Jack's house. He's like, hey, put me to work. I'm ready to work. What are we going to do? That's the kind of guy he is. He loves his wife and kids so absolutely well. I know that. But he also spends, he spends a lot of his time with others, and he loves other people well uh, um, as well. He accepts people that aren't like him. He reaches out to people that are far from God. He's full of all kinds of godly wisdom. He volunteers his time every Tuesday morning to lead, um, to lead and mentor these guys that are younger than him, like a group of 10 guys that are college age. He genuinely wants others to know Christ. But when he talks to people about Jesus, he does it in a way that's appropriate and that's really good. I'm like, the guy almost makes me jealous that I'm just like, I wish I was more like Jeff Dart. And I'm kidding, but he's, I'm not like just, but he's a great mentor to me. Jeff Dart makes me want to follow Christ like a lot more closely. Who is that for you? Do you know someone like that? I could name your parents in here. Gary Broyer, a guy I respect so much. I was thinking Ryan Delgard. Um, has an outstanding business. He's gotten awards for his business. I don't even know if Haley's here tonight. Reaches out to guys that just need a job and mentors them and works with them. I mean, our adult leaders, I could name so many people. Who is that for you? Maybe you know someone like that. On the other hand, do you know someone, and we all maybe know someone, who, um, who is it's the opposite. The opposite is true. They would call themselves a Christian, but you absolutely almost hope that no one associates what they believe and what they say and how they act with Christianity. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever met someone, they call themselves a Christian, but um, the way that they treat other people, it like makes you cringe? Or the way they talk to people, the way they talk about people, it's almost like you got to go up to the people they're talking to and, and like apologize. Like, hey, I know you know he's a Christian, but that is not the way we are. And he's like, don't, I'm sorry about him. I don't, I'm not, you know, maybe I don't even know him, but I know him enough and and again, I don't mean to like badmouth, but there's just some Christians that are like that. Many of you have heard of, and again, that homosexuality is such a touchy topic. We all know that. Some of you are like, I want more clarity on that. That Westboro Baptist Church, you've all heard of them, right? Man, they give Christians a bad name. Gosh, I hope if you're here tonight, you know that that is not the way Christians um, should act, want to act. I don't, that's not in the Bible. There's a lot of Christians like that out there. So maybe you know someone like that. Here's, here's another question. What makes Here's a question I'm really asking tonight. What makes a contagious Christian contagious? Have you ever heard it put like that before? What makes a contagious Christian contagious? What is it about them? We all know people, I hope, maybe you don't, but you, there's Christians like that out there. What makes them appealing or inspiring? Because it's, it seems like the, the, the people I've met, it's like they actually enjoy walking with Jesus. They actually enjoy, they have a vital and a vibrant relationship with God. And for some of us in here, that's so completely foreign to us in our families. A relationship with God? What are you talking about, Brad? But that's the kind of thing we see people that just love Jesus. They're not like, they're not just cheesy and sappy religious types, but they actually have this authentic relationship with Jesus Christ or with God, and it's not a burden to them. Their life seems more like an adventure. Man, Miguel Shaw is one of those guys. His life absolutely seems like an adventure. You'll hear that next week if you're here. Here's the thing, I think it's possible that a really big problem 
for the brand of Christianity is not only that some Christians are mean, but that for many, their faith to them is meaningless. There's a, sure, there's a lot of people out there that are mean, that like say they're Christians and they're just are jerks, just aren't nice people. But there's a whole lot more, I think, that aren't in the mean category, but their faith is meaningless. Their faith is uninspiring. Their life seems uninspiring. You might even say their life seems boring. There's no excitement and energy. When they talk about their faith, it's just this like, oh, it's just something I do. I don't really care about it. I go to church on Sundays. I'm not saying that every Christian should be the life of the party. I'm not saying that. But I just wonder if one of the main reasons that people don't find Christianity very appealing sometimes is because many Christians aren't appealing. And I'm like that sometimes. And maybe our lives lack joy or purpose or just don't seem very fun. And why is it that fun and faith seem to be at odds? Like if you're a Christian, you can't have fun or you can't joke around. So what if it wasn't supposed to be this way, right? I mean, what if that whole stereotype and this whole thing that we kind of think about, that, that Christians are just boring or lifeless, what if, that, what if that isn't the way it was supposed to be? And what if that's not at all what the Bible portrays? So again tonight, I already mentioned this Philippians 2, this whole series we're doing in this letter that Paul wrote to this group of people in the first century. Um, they lived in the city of Philippi, which is why it's called Philippians. And so at, toward the, uh, well, it's really in the middle of chapter 2, there's these verses that are so powerful. In fact, these were so monumental to me in college. I was an RA one year, and these were like, this was the theme verse for my hall for the whole year. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, or maybe you have an app, feel free to take out a phone if you're like, I don't have a Bible, but I got the, uh, what's it called, the Version app or something. I want you to go there with me. It's going to be on the screens, but I want, you know, I want you to navigate the Bible and know where that's at. And um, Certainly a lot of you, I know you know where Philippians is, but turn to the book of Philippians. Again, this is just a letter, but turn to chapter 2 and verse 14. And this will be on the screens too, but again, I'll give you a moment to go there if you have a Bible or an app. Philippians 2, verse 14. I'm just going to read a few verses. Paul writes, Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of God. Let me read it one more time. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Paul paints this very, very clear picture here with his words. He says, he says, shine like stars in the universe. I mean, he starts by saying, we stop complaining, stop arguing. But eventually, what he wants us to do, he says, shine like stars in the universe. Well, what does that mean? I mean, obviously, you know what stars do and what they're like. So he's saying, sure, like, be bright, stand out, make a difference in this world. But I think he, he's like, yeah, he's challenging us to be noticed, He's saying, don't feel like because you're a Christian in a public school that you need to sort of shrink back and not speak up. Or there's all those like kind of loud outgoing people, but you're not like that. Or what if they find out you're a Christian, they could make fun of you. And so you just, you just don't talk. I think he's saying, don't be boring. Don't, again, don't shrink back. Be a guide. Be a light. Be bright. Be exciting and attractive and interesting. 
And again, he's not saying to not be who you are, to like reject. Some of you are introverted maybe, or you're just shy. I think Paul knows that, but you can still shine in such a way and not like, and not have to be the center of attention or the center of the crowd. Draw people in by the way you live. Here's the thing. I just said, like, I'm not saying you can't be introverted. I am incredibly introverted. And, uh, and I would say, if you were to ask me about some of the people that have impacted my faith the most, most of those people, when I was growing up, when I was your age, when I was a sophomore in high school, a lot of my mentors and people I looked up to, they were not the life of the party. They were not the center of attention. They were introverts. They were just nice, humble guys, but they were still leaders in the school and in my youth group. And when I, when I think of some of the students and some of the, the stories I've heard from students who've in, influenced their friend groups the most, of those stories, most of them were, were, were stories of students who changed that friend group without without attracting the spotlight to them, without directing a bunch of attention to themselves. You don't have to be that. I know gobs of guys that I respect in here that are not necessarily outspoken leaders. They're maybe not even uh, serving on student impact on Sunday mornings or something. So it isn't about being the loudest person in the room, but maybe it is about being the most alive person in the relationship. That when everybody else is just complaining about school, complaining about how like life sucks or homework sucks or this teacher sucks or I hate this class. Sorry if you can't say that. I'm sure you hear a ton worse every day at school if you're in a public school. I, I hope that you show your friends a faith that is real and that if anything we get out of this series is that we would learn to not be hypocritical and to not gossip about others, to not just fit in with the rest, the rest of our friends or with everyone else at school. Your friends know that your life's not perfect. If they know you're a Christian, hopefully they know that your life's not perfect. What they need to see is how your Christian faith influences you and impacts you when your life seems to fall apart. Or I don't, I mean, I don't know again what the, the junk is that you're going through, but hopefully your faith makes a difference in that and hopefully your friends see that. So together we can look different, but here's kind of my bottom line. I hope that we, together as a group, we shine in a very dark world. And together, we can not only just look different, hopefully we can actually be different. Together with Christ, because of Christ, hopefully we can actually be different. It's very, very easy to look different. But the Pharisees in the Bible looked different. And I bring that up a lot. I'm not just talking about external behavior. But if you get your heart right, you guys, if you get your heart right, if your heart is genuinely loving toward people, if you genuinely want to respond to cursing with blessing, which is very, very hard to do, if someone comes at you at school, just tears you down, and you don't like respond or punch them or push them or respond with all this backlash because your heart is actually different, man, they'll take notice of that. Together we can actually be different. Even like, this is one of my favorite verses. Jesus had a ton to say about this too. Jesus in... Uh, John 10, 10, throw this verse on the screen. Um, he's kind of talking to this group of people, um, explaining about, I guess, kind of who he was. He says, I, the reason I came, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That Jesus offers us not just eternal life, but an eternal kind of life now. And a life that can actually be transformed now. 
Because when you come to know Jesus, it's not just this grand moment when you just pray a prayer and that's kind of the end of it. Man, there's power there through the Holy Spirit. I think if that was it, if that was the climax, like why wouldn't God just whisk us away to heaven right then? But no, no, that's just the beginning of a life worth living, of an adventurous life, of life to the full. Um, how, did he, how did he bring this about? Let me read this, and we're getting close to the end. Um, let me just read this, and I'll give you two applications. What did God do? This is right in the middle of where we've been in Philippians 2. Paul writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. But what did Jesus do? How does he, I mean, what, what did he ever do for me? Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Almost every one of you in here have heard that before. Like, sure, that's great. That's really good news. And sometimes you go, okay, good for him. Like, that's awesome. Great. Like, Jesus died and, you know, like, that's really cool. I'm sure Gandhi did some really cool sacrificial things like that too. But here's the difference because our hearts are jacked up. I hope you know this. God made us good and perfect and right and pure, but he also gave us a choice. When he made Adam and Eve, he had to give us a choice. You cannot have love without a choice. Because love without a choice in our world is called rape. And God is not a cosmic rapist. And so there was this choice between you can love me, but you can also turn against me. And we did, right? And Adam and Eve did. And so the whole, all of humanity fell into this, this curse of sin. And so we try to deny sin. And we try to say that it's not real or that I'm not that bad or that I'm just struggling with this. But it's because our hearts are ruined and our soul is ruined and we desperately need a savior. Well, why does that have to happen? Because God is not just loving, he's also just. And when he says the wages of sin is death, he means it. Somebody, we wronged God, somebody has to pay the price for that. Either I have to pay the price for that or somebody else has to pay the price for it. But who's going to do it, right? Because I can't die for your sins. Because I have my own sins, right? But Jesus Christ could. So it's not just that he died on a cross. He's your substitute. He's the only one ever in, the, in the, all of history who could die for anyone because he's the only one who never sinned. And again, we hear this every time we come to church, but I hope it sinks in. That's why our life gets changed. That's the power of Christianity that no other religion can offer you. Because Jesus was pure, spotless, he was the son of God, but he was a human and he never sinned. And so he died in our place for our sins. And because he took our sins, we get his righteousness. And and that changes everything. That changes everything. Even though I still stumble and I still struggle and life doesn't become perfect. Before God, God looks at me and he sees the righteousness of Christ. So from the moment that begins, that relationship with God, it changes everything. But this is still a grand topic, right? Here's two practical applications, and we'll close. Number one is this. Paul says it very clearly, but quit complaining. Let's try to quit complaining. This is really hard for me. I know it'll be hard for you, especially, again, you go to a public school, you go to school, period. I don't, you're homeschooled. It's easy to complain, right? But man, if we, if we would combat this, everyone else against a whole world that criticizes and complains and argues all the time. So the next time you start to complain, just close your mouth. 
The next time you start to argue with your mom, just let it go. In fact, I want us, you guys, let's try to practice the discipline of not having the last word. How about that? That's really hard to do, to say, I'm going to let you have the last word. I'm just going to own it. I'm just going to absorb it, and I can deal with that. So that's number one. Secondly, be passionate about the right things. That I think of anything, maybe our faith is meaningless to us, and maybe that's the, the one thing that you take away from tonight. That together we can be different. But you start to get passionate about your faith. Did you start to realize this is not just another thing I do along with show choir, along with band, along with the sport. But this is, this is all-encompassing. This faith thing, this Christianity thing, it's holistic. And I'm going to be passionate about developing a heart for God and a passion for other people, and especially lost people. So you guys, the goal in all of this is that the world would see Jesus. The goal in all of this is that the world would see Jesus. Not just that you would look better and get better. That's great. But man, we want the world to see Jesus, to be changed by Jesus. It's not about us. It's about him. And so people at your school who are going through really tough times, that you can give them hope. And that people that don't feel like their lives have any meaning will find meaning. And so people will turn to God and find life. That is our job as Christians to be light, to shine like stars in a very broken world. We have the capacity because of Jesus to do that, because of what I just shared. So what's it going to be? This is the end of this series. As we go to groups tonight, think about this. We have the opportunity to change the brand of Christianity for the next generation. It's up to you. It's up to you. I'm even like, I'm probably too old for this, right? I'm not in high school anymore. It's up to you. So I hope you're in. I want us to change the perception. Let's tear off the old labels and live lives that are unified and unselfish and unique. All right, let me pray real quick. Father, I thank you for this word, but God, God, show us how to do this. God, I think of your words in Matthew 5, I think it is, where you say, you ask us to let our our light so shine before men that they may see our good deeds and glorify you, God. Glorify their Father in heaven. But God, that's really, really tricky because God, so often we can let our good deeds shine and it'll make people feel jealous of us or it'll make people think that we're like big self-righteous religious types. God, that's not what you say to do. So God, help us to be careful. Help us to let our light so shine in such a way that they may see our good deeds and not just get jealous of us or not just hate us more because we think we're better than everybody, but may they glorify you. God, show us how to do that. And God, may we discuss that in groups tonight, practical things we can do in our own high schools, in our own schools, day in and day out. God, help us to be unique. Help us change the brand of Christianity. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today will soon be gone, like yesterday is gone, like history is gone. The world keeps spinning on, you're going, going, gone, like summer break is gone, like Saturday is gone. Just try and prove me wrong. You pretend like you're immortal, you're immortal, you're immortal. Ha ha.
Sinatra, like Elvis and his mom, like Al Pacino's cash, nothing lasts in this life, my high school dreams are gone, my childhood sweets are gone, life is a day that doesn't last for long, life is more Thank you.